Guys, good morning. Hello, hi, hi. How how is everybody? People doing good? I'm trying to find First Peter four. Uh, my name's Nick. I am one of the elders, lead pastor here, uh, and I've got this mic um, because I'm actually not going to be preaching. Um, no, don't say that. No, it's wonderful. You guys are like, oh my gosh, we might get out before lunch. This is incredible. Uh, well, I, I just have a few things up up front here that I just wanted to share uh, before I actually introduce uh, Josh McGuire, who's going to be uh, preaching to, for us this morning. Uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, let's see. One thing. Well, actually, I have I have a couple things. I won't take I won't take much of your time. But um, I did want to I did want to give you kind of the vision behind this in case some people think. And I mentioned this last time when Paul Walton uh, preached, um, and I wanted to bring it to our attention again this morning, uh, lest there be misunderstanding of why 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 have guest preachers and what's the vision, what's the idea behind that? Because um, I think some people can think number one, Nick, isn't this what we pay you for? You're supposed to be doing this week after week. And in one sense, yeah, like I, you set apart a, a, a member of the body to really give themselves to the preaching of the word. I think that's totally biblical and right, and I want to do that. This frees me up in some sense to focus on other things, like try to come and learn about sound. Or this week I was dealing with a lot of admin stuff or applying for X29, that sort of thing. Uh, it gives me a chance to to look at other aspects of the of the church and its ministries and the people. Um, but then there's that other part of it um, that actually is why I wanted to read 1 Peter 4. Uh, it's 1 Peter 4, let's see, verse, how about 10? 10 to 11 is where I would be at. Um, and it has to do with the gifts of um, the members in the body. It has to do with the, the fact that... I. I'm not the only one that God would want to speak through to you. Um, that every single, like like Ian was saying, every member of this body is important, plays an important role. And I love the fact, even as I was hearing what Josh would be sharing today, I love how different it is that we uh, we all kind of God's um, personality and power in some way comes through our own in different ways. And so you get different, you could look at the same text and Josh or Paul or Ian or Jerry, whoever, would preach it differently. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a healthy thing for you guys to get different perspectives and different personalities up here. And it's also uh, exciting for me to see other members of our body using their gifts. And I, I wanted to make sure you know, and I know you already you already are familiar with this, but it's not about Nick. It's not about me. Uh, it's ultimately about him. And uh, that's why I wanted to read First Peter 4 here. It says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And here's the purpose. Here's the point. Here's the goal. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. 
Amen. You don't need me to tell you this, but it isn't about me. It's all about us getting out of the way and seeing him. And when people use their gifts, whether it's speaking or serving, uh, it allows us to see him more clearly. Um, so that is part of my heart behind this. And one last thing I wanted to share before um, I, I bring Josh up here and we pray for him. Um, have you ever thought about the posture of your heart? Before you, you, you come to God in, in His Word. Or on a Sunday morning when we gather together to hear the Word preached, the Gospel preached. You ever thought about, what's the proper posture in this moment? Um, is it, is it, I'm kinda, you know, I've got my glasses on and I'm, I'm ready to be studious. I got my pencil, my pen, my, uh, my Texas, what was that called? Instrument. You remember that thing? But they don't even use those anymore. The, anyways, what were they called? Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Calculate Texas instrument. Was that right? I don't remember. That was without, see, I'm old. I'm younger than all of you, so you guys probably use something else. What? Oh no, okay. Uh, so is, is it here? We're just here to study the words like a student? Are we kind of taking it on like, uh, perhaps a judge kind of sitting behind the, the, uh, the counter there? You know, we're gonna, we're gonna see whether this is right or wrong and what we think about it. Or, Psalm 104, I wanted to give us a posture this morning. I wanted to, I wanted us to approach God in His Word almost like a beggar. Without just our hands open. Just our hands open. How about that? Coming to him this morning on your knees, hands open. I want you to hear, listen to this about our God. Psalm 104, starting in verse 24. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you've made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here's the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. That's the posture that I want for us to come as Josh is going to preach his word to us. Just before God, God, you're the one. You created us and we all look to you. You're the one that gives us our food. You're the one that gives us life. You're the one that comes with the good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So I'd encourage you. Let's open up our hearts in that way to him. Josh, you want to come on up? Guys, let's pray for uh, for Josh before he, he gets going. God, we do repent of the uh, fact that we, this week I'm sure I can speak for myself at least, I've looked to other things to fill me. I turn away from you and, and, and I try to find my sustenance somewhere else. God, in in these moments, we repent, we confess. We're prone to wander, but Lord, we want so badly now to return fully to you. With all our hearts and our eyes, we look to you, God. We believe that from you comes life, that you're the author of life, that you renew our hearts, you renew our souls, 
you're the one who can sustain and can fill and can satisfy us. And so, God, this morning, would you do that? Would you do that to your honor? That's the most amazing thing, that it's for our good because we're filled and it's for your glory because you're the one filling us. And we pray, Jesus, that you would do that today, specifically through Josh. We ask, God, that you would allow him to be a vessel, allow him to be a conduit of your grace, and that when he does speak, he would speak as one speaking the oracles of God so that no one would come up afterwards and say, wow, Josh did an amazing job. They say, wow, what an amazing God Josh has, and we have. We ask you, Lord, to let your word uh, come forth today in our hearts, broken soil, and let it bear fruit, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Starting my timer here. So today I will be talking about John 15, verses 8 through 17. And uh, can we pass out some Bibles too? And as Nick always says, uh, if you don't have a Bible, please keep this one. Or uh, if you know someone who needs it, um, keep it and give it to them. I don't actually know what page it's on, uh, so I don't know if someone can look it up and then call it out. But uh, again, it's John 15, verses 8 through 17. 901. Thank you. But before we get into the scripture, I wanted to briefly talk about why I chose the scripture. I was planning on going a completely different direction with this sermon, um, but given the past couple of weeks with what had gone on in Paris, uh, the terrorist attacks, all of the news about the Syrian refugees. You know, I, I, like I hear all these things churning in the media from you know, just the stories of the horrific murder, the murders in the concert hall, hundreds of people injured or murdered. Um, thinking about the Syrian refugees, all this multitudes of people fleeing for their lives from ISIS. And then mixed in with all that is what the, the media has been saying. You hear things like fear and, and blood and, and hate and confusion, you know, politicians and talking heads. So I've I've just I've been seeing all these things, I've been hearing all these things. But I I've also heard some encouraging things. I was actually very proud to be uh, associated with the evangelicals, uh, because I, I heard uh, a guy named Leith Anderson, who's, I think he's the president of the U.S. National Association of Evangelicals, but someone from NPR was interviewing him, and the NPR radio host was setting it up, just saying all the conservatives, you know, believe that we should be very concerned about, you know, Muslims and about resettling refugees. What do you think? 
And Leif said, I just want to do what the Bible says. And he told a story about the Good Samaritan. He said, that Samaritan had a lot of reasons not to help the beaten and you know, destitute Jew who was in the road. He had a lot of reasons. But he risked himself. He risked his money. He risked other things to provide care and a place for that beaten man to, to heal. And Jesus called that good. He called that Samaritan the good Samaritan. I want to be like that Samaritan. And he also mentioned the fact that we're refugees. You know, across the world, Christians are running for their lives. Destitute, homeless, without food, without water, nowhere to go, no one to help. And we want to be helped. We, we want to help others like we want to be helped. So hearing all these things, thinking about them, seeing all these powerful images, I felt like the Lord was shaking me, saying, wake up, wake up, look at all these people who need love, who need Christ, you're the one, you're the one to do this, you need to love so that's why I picked this verse. Um, and like another, another image I, I did want to briefly talk about is this one right here. Uh, this woman clinging to Jesus' feet. And the reason this I, I caught my attention was because when I think about going to heaven, I don't think about walking on the the golden streets or even singing with everyone around the throne uh, or, or clouds or harps or anything like that. What I think, the first thing I, I want to see after I leave here is I, I want to I see Jesus' feet. <laughs> I want to be clinging to his feet. And this, that's, I picture that often. But what I really felt like Jesus was telling me was, you know how you, you think you feel like this? I want you to feel like that and express it by loving. I want you to love like you love me. I want you to love other people. So let's turn to, turn to John. First, some, some context. This uh, these words in John that I'm about to read, this is at the Last Supper. So Jesus, before he's going to be crucified, has a few hours with the disciples. And you just get the sense from reading these, these chapters that Jesus is just trying to cram everything in. Every, all the important things he wants the disciples to mention or to remember him mentioning, he's trying to just cram it all in there. And I don't know if you have a Bible that has the words of Jesus in red, but like, you know, chapter after chapter, at the, you know, at the Last Supper, just red. And Jesus just saying all these things he wants us to remember. And there are, there are some things, though, that he repeats several times. And you, you 
get the sense this is important. Jesus only has a few hours, and he's using time to repeat over and over and over these certain things. So let's, with that understanding, let's, let's go ahead and uh, read it. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you so that you love one another. So there are three themes that you may have heard in the the scripture there. One is that obedience is vitally important to Jesus. And the second one is that that obedience takes the form of love. And then finally, you know, this obedience that he was talking about is powered by joy and joy for God's glory. So I think those scriptures are actually worth walking through a little slower. Um, I, I don't know if they hit you like they hit me, but a lot of these are pretty hard statements. If I were just to read a, you know, the single sentence, um, I would have at least two responses. One is like, that, that sounds so hard to believe. I mean, how, how does this fit with the rest of what I know about what Jesus says is good and right and, and, and full of grace. And then the second question I have is like, okay, well, how? <laughs> how do I do these things, these hard things? And what, what do they mean? So let's walk through it um, one by one. And Jesus kind of makes it easy for us in that he'll give us a hard statement. And then the next sentence, he'll give us the answer. So that... that Let's let's walk through and, and watch that. So first, the, the first statement, verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So he's saying that uh, if you want to be a disciple, you prove it. 
I'm not sure that's what he's saying. I, I think if you if you look at this, he's saying if you are a disciple, you will do these things. You will bear fruit. It is the result of being a disciple. But he says, uh, if you are a disciple, you will, will bear fruit. So, I mean, it's vitally important. I want to be a disciple. What does it mean to bear fruit? That's an analogy. What, what is he really saying? So, he gives us the answer in the next verse. Uh, we bear fruit by abiding in his love. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Well, that makes me want to ask another question. What does it mean to abide in Christ's love? I remember uh, not too long ago, our home group actually spent an entire evening talking about this. What does it mean to abide in Christ's love? Well, he makes it easy for us. Thank thank God. Um, Next verse, he says... If you keep my commandment, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I don't know about you, but that actually, you know, right now that's not that encouraging. That seems really hard. (laughs) Um, Obey like Jesus? How can I do that? How can I obey, follow the commandments like Jesus did? Well, he helps us out again with the next verse. And he says, in summary, your heart will be full of my joy for God's glory. That's how you'll do it. The verse is, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So all of the, the red words in these chapters at the Last Supper, that's for us so that we can be full of joy. And, and some people um, wonder, you know, why is the scripture so important? Or, or is it important that we have, you know, exactly what Jesus said? This is why it's important because Jesus uses these words to fill us with joy so that we can do these things. And the whole point of this, the, the, the verse that we read at the very beginning, it's John sets it up. Like what, what is all this about? The bearing the fruit, the obeying the commandments. It's for God's glory. You see that in Verse 8, my father is glorified by this. That's what sets everything up, that you bear much fruit. So how can we do this? It's the joy that drives us to do this for God's glory. But Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He really, really wants us to understand this. He has a commandment for us. He has something that he wants us to do. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now this is a a little different than what we heard earlier because he adds on just as I, I have loved you. So to me, 
This begs the question, how have you loved us? I mean, what, what are you trying to communicate to us? You're saying these things over and over. What do you want us to do? Well, the next verse, he gives us the answer. I laid down my life for you. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. But John just doesn't leave it there. Again, Jesus wants us to understand how important it is to obey. Like how important following him is to being with him. This next one the, the next verse, he says, you are my friends, the friends that he lays down his life for, if, if you do what I command you. He, he, he's trying to emphasize, these are, it's, obedience is so, so very important. And I don't know about you, but that raises that question again. When I hear, whenever I hear an if, it's like, how can I do this? It's too big. It's too big for me. Um, Jesus makes it easy. Again, he, he gives us the answer. You are my friends, and I tell you all these things for your joy. So he says in verse 15, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And we know that all these things that he is making known to us, they have one purpose. And that's in, you know, as we described in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and you're joyful. That's how we do it. It all goes back to this joy filling us, inspiring us, you know, you know, motivating us, pushing us. But I don't know about you, but I, I still have the same question. How can I do this? This is so difficult. This is, these, are, these are hard words, Jesus. And the answers, again, I chose you. That's how we can do it. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We don't have to worry about manufacturing all this up. How do I get enough willpower to do all these things? Where does this joy come from? Jesus said right here, I chose you. I chose you. That's where it comes from. It comes from Christ. When we're a disciple, we must bear fruit. We don't even have a choice. He wills it to happen. That's why we don't have to worry like and, and go, how, Lord, how can I do this? It's because Christ is the one who is doing it through us. So obedience is crucial to Jesus, and obedience means love, and who he calls must love. 
My goal for this Sunday is to fulfill Hebrews 10 verses 23 and 24 as it relates to the verses we just read. Let me let me read that verse in Hebrews. And let us consider how to stir up or provoke one another to love and good works, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, now the reason I put provoke in brackets is because if you look at that Greek word, peroxumos, then you see that the root is actually this idea of jabbing someone (laughs) so that they must respond So what I want to do here in an encouraging way is I want to jab you. Just as I've been jabbed, I want you to jab me. We should be stirring each other up, provoking each other to love and good works. That's what I want to do today. And I have four ways that I want to do that, four motivators. I want to... Next slide. (laughs) Uh, I want to... Explain the urgency. I want to warn you. I want to inflame your hearts with joy and pursuit of the glory of God. And I want to tell you how easy it is to love. So first, urgent. We need to love each other. And do good works right now. This verse, the, the context behind it, you may remember, it's a little before Jesus was crucified. And his disciples and Jesus come upon a, a blind man, a man who's been blind from birth. And his disciples are asking, uh, why, why is this guy blind? You know, did he sin? Did his parents sin? Why? And, and Jesus says, it's, it's neither of those. The reason that this man was blind from birth was so that God's glory might be shown through good works. The good works that I'm about to perform. And then he healed the man. But as he was doing that, he said this. He said, we... We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no man, when no one can work. We only have just a second here on earth. Just a a blink. We are a vapor. It's a few decades in the vastness of eternity. Right? This isn't very much time. You actually don't even know if you have one more second. You don't even know if you'll make it out of this building. God could take us like that. Now is the time to do all the work that he has for us. It's day. But in just a moment, in a second, it'll be night. Especially those of us who are are getting older, I, you know, I just see the days fly by. You know, it's Monday. 
It's Friday. It's like two Fridays from now. It's a month. And it's gone. Right? We need to do our work now before it's too late. This was really brought home to me when I was in law school. And I don't even know if I told Rochelle this story. But um, there was an old man who uh, got on the bus. Because I used to take the bus to, to law school in Berkeley. And he... Uh, had to get off on a stop. And so I saw him kind of slowly making his way up to the front. And he, you know, got down off the, the big step of the bus and uh, started walking on the sidewalk. Our bus just started zooming off. And I don't know why, but for some reason I, I look back and this, this old man, maybe 80, 85, just flat on his face on the sidewalk. Flat on his face. Now, I, I don't know what happened. In, in, my, in my heart, I was like, should I, should I tell the bus driver to stop? Should I do something? I didn't do anything. Bus drove off. Man was still there. I don't know what happened. But that moment... After that moment, I decided I am never going to wait. If I am in doubt about doing something, helping someone, loving someone, doing something, I'm going to do it. And that has changed the, the way I think about so many things. The reason that it's been easier to... You know, do the foster kids and, and adoption and, um, you know, think about you know, taking my sister-in-law, you know, into our house. All these things, it's because I don't have very much time and I've got a lot of work to do. I also want to warn you. You can't be too busy. You can't say I've got too much to do at work or at home. Soccer, ballet, you know, we all have busy lives. But we can't do that. And Jesus speaks about this very issue when he's talking about the the parable of the sower. I think Nick you know, referenced it a little earlier. Uh, you know, you have the farmer out there spreading seed. You know, there's four types of soil, but one type of soil, there's two types of soil where the plant starts to, to really grow. Uh, and one is the good soil that bears fruit. And the other is it really starts to, to grow and get strong, but then the plant is choked out by the weeds. And the disciples later ask Jesus, you know, what does this mean? And he explains it. He says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. There is no fruit. You're not a disciple if you allow this to happen. 
because disciples will bear fruit. You can't let the world, the busyness, choke it. You, you saw this in the verses we read in John. If you're my disciple, you'll bear fruit. If you com- keep my commandments, you abide in my love. If you are my friends, you'll do what I command you. And he's commanded us to love. You can't be too busy. We need to make time for obeying. We need to make time for loving. We need to spend less time at work. And suffer the consequences. If we're too busy to go to church or home group or have a Bible study with our kids or prayer time alone or we're too tired to do those things, something's wrong. You may be saying, listen, I can't. I can't reduce. You know, I can't work less. And maybe you can. I can't. Let's start with something a little easier then. How much time do we spend on our phones? Or Facebook or Netflix or Amazon Prime? I was reading one of the bloggers that I, I follow and he he quit his job and he's homeschooling his kids and he is uh, he's a full-time parent and he's like, I don't even have time to, to blog anymore. I've got so much stuff going on. And he and his wife were arguing about, you know, spending too much time on the phone or too much money, you know, with data or something. And so he's like, I'm going to keep track. So he put an app on his phone to keep track. And this guy who is what I would describe as a minimalist spent, to his amazement, almost three hours a day on his phone. I don't think it's that far from most of us. You know, we may not think we're spending that much time, but we're spending a lot. Of, how many times do you pull that out of your pocket to check? It's a lot of time. There are easy things that we can do, we can replace with obedience. Okay, So there aren't any excuses. So I don't want to leave it there with... Uh, <laughs> with uh, urgency and warnings. Um, That's not what motivates us to love, right? It's not fear. It's not guilt. It's just like we read. It's joy. It's glory of the Lord. That's the, the whole foundation. That's the engine that powers it. And, you know, just to explain the wrong way, we can look at what Isaiah was saying. He was describing why God was punishing Israel once. And he said, Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Then I will punish them. So we shouldn't be doing these things just because we're taught. Because someone up, you know, me, anyone else at church says these things. Uh, God wants our heart. God wants love to come from our hearts. 
powered by that joy, powered by seeking God's glory. So what I want to do is I want to help stir up compassion so that serving, so that loving is a joy. So I've got a couple of images and I want to read some things to you to prick your heart, to wake you up so that you can love. So this uh, next slide, you may remember seeing this on the news. I, I don't know how easily you can see this with the lights, but that's an alley, the back of the concert hall in Paris, where the terrorist attack occurred. And you can see there's a couple of windows. There's a top window, and there's a woman hanging from it. She climbed out the window to escape certain death. And she's hanging there. She's waiting for someone to help her. And she's pregnant. She can't let go. That's a fatal fall. How many people are there that are really like this, spiritually like this around us. We see this and it's easy to understand because this is real, right? But isn't this true for what's happening right now with our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members? They're vulnerable. They're hurting. They're scared. They're fleeing certain death, but there is no hope. It's up to us to love them. So what eventually happened is someone did reach down. There was a man who reached down into that window after it was over and pulled her up. That's what we need to do. Right? We need to love the people who are vulnerable, who are hurt, they may not even know that they're fleeing from certain death. But that is our responsibility, to love them. This next slide is uh, one you may have seen before too. These are Assyrian Christians that are being held hostage by ISIS right now. And I'm going to read a statement from Voice of the Martyrs that explains a little bit about this picture. Islamic extremists have threatened to execute a group of 200 Assyrian Christians unless they receive $10 million ransom payment. The Christians were abducted seven months ago from their villages near Hasaka, Syria. ISIS released a video in October showing three Christian men being shot to death. That's the men up front. The second group of three men on the video are forced to state their faith, name, and the village they are from. One of the men says, we are here and there are dozens of us. Our fate is the same as these, the three Christian men who were shot. If you do not take proper procedures for our release, we realize the, inev the inevitable fate. 
And before stating their name, each hostage was forced to say, I am a Nazrani, which is a derogatory term for Christians. And you may recognize that Nazrani, Nazarene, Jesus, the Nazarene. These are men who are brothers. Voice of the Martyrs goes on to say, um, please pray for the 200 Assyrian Christians thought to be mostly women and children who are being held hostage. We need to love our brothers and our sisters. I, I'm, I'm showing you this uh, because it should prick your heart. It should make you go, I, I want to love them. I want to help them. And not only them, but Look around the room. You have other brothers and sisters who need you. And don't just look at the men in the orange suits. Look at the men behind them. The ISIS soldiers wearing the black masks hiding their face. That's Saul. Those are Saul's. That Jesus wants. He wants them to be Paul. We have Saul's in our lives too. People that don't like Christ. Militant atheists. People who are hostile. People who just don't like us. Those are our Saul's. That God has called us to love. Next slide is... uh, Syrian refugee child. The camps uh, are burned. You know, the Syrians protest. They're burning their own camps. There's millions of children who are fleeing Syria. And they're scared. And they don't have what they need. And they're homeless. But you don't have to go to Syria to have homeless children. See on the next slide. This is the Heritage House in San Jose, run by the city team. It's a house for women uh, who are addicted to drug and alcohols, alcohol and um, pregnant or just have babies, and they don't have a place to go. They have homeless children. We're called to love. We're called to love these women, these children, these men, the Sauls. And it's easy. This is easy for us to do. There are good deeds of love all around us. And I was a little concerned about saying this last part uh, because I feel like it's been easy for me. Like things just fall into my lap, right? I mean, here comes Roman. <laughs> here comes, you know, the foster kids. Here comes, you know, these things just fall into my lap. And I, I was concerned about this. And I mentioned it to Rochelle. It's like, I don't know how easy this is for other people. But she reminded me of the verse in, verse in Ephesians that says, 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's why I know it's easy for you. That's why I know you have good works, because God created you for them. He prepared them for you to walk in. So I know they're there. They're not just there for me or you know, people who have hard situations. They're there for all of us. I've just listed some up here that just to spur, you know, spur your heart, spur your mind to think about these things. Um, call the black sheep in your family. <laughs> we all have them. Uh, yeah, the the people. Maybe we are the black sheep. I don't know. But call 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 the people in your family and keep calling them when everyone else doesn't want to talk to them anymore. The drug addicts, the people who are emotionally needy, the people who are getting divorced. Consider fostering or adopting. I know some in the church are, but. You may say to yourself, uh, I can't do that. I'm too old. I don't have enough money. I don't like kids. (laughs) Um, But it took me 10 years of praying, but God changed my heart. So pray. Just be open to pray for these good works. Host international students. I know the Rafferty's family. You know, that's how Danielle got here. (laughs) Uh, Just hosting these people from other countries, telling them about Christ, loving them. Lead a home group. Give your home group a leader a break. I'm sure they'd enjoy that. Help with worship. Patty needs help. Ask Ian and Jerry and Nick what you can do to help the church. That's easy. Pray. We saw a lot of things we could pray for right there. We see things every day we can pray for. Our Christian brothers and sisters who are tortured, the people who are torturing them, the poor in San Jose, the rich in San Jose. We've got a lot to pray for. Invite the weird co-worker or neighbor to to dinner or lunch. Donate money. Uh, More money uh, to the Sohar Clinic. Money to the Voice of the Martyrs. Money to church. It's a way to show love. And the last one here is Teen Challenge. That's a, an organization that helps uh, not only teens, but uh, uh, adult men and women, families, who are dealing with drug addiction, meth, alcohol. And uh, they have a local branch in San Jose. And I wanted to invite the entire church to do something that our home group has decided to participate in. And that is help serve the members, the um, the people who live in the housing, the Teen Challenge participants and their families, a Christmas dinner and put on a Christmas party. It's December 12th, and we think there are going to be about 400 people. So it is a massive job. 
And the woman and the other volunteers who have been running it in the past are too old now. And no one's taken their place. I think they're 70, in the 70s, right? It's time to, well, sorry for people who are approaching 70s. <laughs> um, I heard a laugh over there. I'm not going to. Um, but they, they've been doing it for about 15 years. So it's time for someone else to, to do it. And uh, this is a chance to show love. A lot of uh, the family members are not going to know Christ. And this is a chance to show them what Christians do and that this is real. So if you're interested and able to do it on December 12th, uh, contact Natasha. Um, She's coordinating it for our home group. And if you need her information, you can come up to me after the service. So we must love. Christ chose us to bear his fruit. Uh, If we're not bearing fruit, something is drastically wrong. Because we have to. We're his disciples. We're his friends. We're his sons, his daughters. And the joy that he's put in our hearts because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, taking away all of our guilt and shame and sin. That joy that we have from that, that powers our love for others. That's why we can give so much. It's because we've been given so much. Now, this is not a secular message, right? I'm not just telling you to go out and do good things, right? I mean, you can hear that. Anywhere, especially this time of year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, yes, you know, do a good deed. That's not what I'm talking about. So we have a different debt that we owe. Paul says in Romans that he's a debtor to both Jews and Gentiles, to Greeks and barbarians, to the wise, to the foolish. And that's why he's eager preach the gospel. He owes them because someone else paid his debt. He also says to owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. That's what we owe. We owe love because of what Christ did for us. We owe people love We owe them food. We owe them drink. And ultimately, we owe them the secret of our love, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, I pray, I pray that you wake us up. I want to love. I want your church to love. I want us to do good works, not because it makes us feel better, 
But because we owe people love, because of what Christ Jesus did for us, laying down his life, we joyfully, joyfully want to be like him and bring glory to God by bearing fruit. It's urgent. You've warned us, but you've given us that joy, Father, and you've chosen us. Please make us a loving people. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. I actually wanted to read one last thing to you guys. Um, Josh, that was awesome. Thank you. Uh, both encouraging and uh, pricking, or whatever, provoking. That was the word. It's amazing. Um, and as as he was preaching and yeah, focusing in there on John 15, I um, was reminded of the background to that image, and I wanted to read it to you. It's in Isaiah 5. Um, it's, it's about Israel and how God plants this vineyard in Israel and he comes looking for the fruit and he finds nothing. I want to read this. Let me sing. This is Isaiah 5.1. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. And Israel is just a picture of what God gets from us, from humanity. And all of that serves as the background for when in John 15:1 Jesus shows up on the scene and says, I am the true vine. If you don't come to me, you're not going to bear this kind of fruit. I'm the only one who could actually do what what God is calling us to do. You rest in me, you, you stay in me, like, like Josh was saying, and this stuff will start to flow. And as he was, as Josh was giving these, these examples, I could not help but see first that that's exactly what Christ has done for us. We are the people outside the window. That's me about to fall to my death, you know. I'm the one that, uh, that that was enslaved and the threat of death hung over me. And he came and, and, and freed us, right? It's Hebrews 2. He took on flesh to free us from that death that hung over all of humanity. 
or we're the orphan, you guys. I'm the orphan that he came to adopt. I'm the addict, Teen Challenge. I'm the one that couldn't break free from my addictions. And so we start to know this true vine, press into him. And all that Josh called us to today, all these wonderful provokings into love and good works, pray start to flow. Yeah, thank you for that word. Let's let's pray, guys. Jesus, we ask that you, the one, the only true vine, the root of Jesse that sprouted up from a dead stump, you would bear fruit in us. You are the vine, we are the branches. Fill us with joy in yourself and all that you are for us that we might overflow, we might look more like you, we might, we might bring that grace, bear that fruit out in the world. God, I pray that this word today would not fall on the rocky soil. I pray, Jesus, Jesus, that our hearts would be ready and our lives would see uh, its fruit and throughout the weeks. So don't let the birds of the air, don't let Satan, don't let the cares of the world Don't let the lusts of the flesh choke this stuff out. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.